Shabbat Shalom, Hevrei. I may have mentioned this once in front of this community, but I don't mind mentioning it again in front of my wife. I don't have any problem admitting to you that I am the shopper in the family. It's my pleasure every Monday and my day off to drive over the amazing Golden Gate Bridge up to the grocery stores in Marin where parking is easy and when you come out of the Safeway there's this fantastic view of Mount Tam and I feel fulfilled. <laughs> but I have to tell you that each year at this time I'm always amazed about the buyers that I feel that they're treating we Jews equally to the larger community because it's during Purim that they put out all the Passover products. And I just feel like, well, great, they do the same thing at Thanksgiving, it's Christmas, Purim, it's Passover. Somebody must have a Jewish calendar up there somewhere. <laughs> and Purim, it's going to be on Monday night. The mitzvah is to do what? The mitzvah is to hear the Megillah and, and to give, uh, give uh, uh, tzedakah and to give little gifts. Uh, and, and if you want to have the folk practice of getting a little shikar, that's okay, too. Um, then on, uh, during the day, we also read the Megillah again as well. But this Shabbat itself, it's not a, a shikar Shabbat. It's a sobering Shabbat. It's the Shabbat just before Purim that's called Shabbat Zahor, the Shabbat of memory. It's maybe one of the first times in Jewish history we use the term Zahor in this way to recall something difficult. And what are we told to remember? Remember Amalek, the tradition tells us. Amalek. Who's that guy Amalek? He's the one who attacked the Israelites led by Moses as they came out of Egypt. Uh, even though he wasn't an enemy, he had no engagement with them. Uh, he attacked the people in the back. And he's seen as the ancestor of Haman. And the Megillah tells us Haman's an Amalekite. But he's really, Amalek, regarded, so to speak, as the platonic form for those who hate us or those who for no other reason engage in acts of senseless evil. This human aberration in which people are willing to kill with no regard or harm with no regard. So Zahor, we're told, right before Purim, remember Amalek. Now when we read the Megillah Monday night, we'll have, I believe, an adult Megillah reading here at the temple. News is changing quickly, but that I think will happen. When we read it with a sense of joy and of human spirit and wonder, we understand it's a reminder that we human beings have to always be aware of the potential for that form of evil, Allah Haman, to rear his or her ugly head at any time. Zahor et Amalek, remember, and then be prepared to act, not just to defend yourself, but to stand up for others as well. Who will stand up? Who will act? Who will have the courage to speak out? Who do we turn to? In the biblical tradition that unfolds with Torah, 
We have heroic figures like Yaakov and Joseph and Moses and Rebecca and Miriam. They stand up, they act, but what's different about them from us is they all seem to have some access to the holy. They seem to have God standing with them, so to speak. And as the textual tradition develops in our library of Judaism, the same can be said of King David and Solomon, and prophets like Isaiah and Elijah, who stands up against the others and performs miracles because he knows God is with him. They call out to God's presence out of the depths of their problems and challenges, and God's there. And they respond to the Amalek of their day. But is that what happens in our day? It's interesting, early on in the literary tradition, by the book of Esther, things start to change a bit. Biblical scholar Richard Elliott Friedman points this out in an essay he wrote a number of years ago. And he says that there is a, teaches that there is a diminishment of that sense of that the heroic is made possible. A diminishment that the heroic is made possible by the immediacy of the deity. We see that clearly in the book of Esther where God's not only not mentioned anywhere, but who stands up? How old is Esther? What do you guys think? She's supposed to be about 16 years old in some of the tradition. She's a young woman who seems to have no agency in her hypersexist world in which she finds herself. But she's able to stand up. And this is what Friedman writes. He quotes Leon Wieseteller, who he says in a remarkable essay, referred to the scene of the Book of Esther as a post-revelation world. The initial biblical depiction of a world in which the deity is immediately involved has gradually transformed into a picture of a reality not so different from the one we know in our day. In the latter books of the Bible, no snakes talk, no sea split, no one wrestles with the creator, not literally anyway. The presence of God that is apparent, that's a matter of knowledge at the beginning, has become at the end a hidden thing, a matter of belief or of hope. The text never says that the deity ceases to care or exist or to affect the world. It only conveys that these things are no longer publicly visible at the end of the story in the way they are at the beginning. One might still conceive of the deities being present and involved in undetected ways. Regarding the apparent manifest presence of God as conveyed in particular terms that we saw in earlier biblical episodes, that ceases to be the point. In the book of Esther, who's not mentioned? God isn't mentioned. So where is God in the story? In a story written thousands of years ago. Remember the story is written in the time of the Jews being in diaspora in Persia. So if we're telling a story about that, that story is pretty old. That vision of God changed way back then. You see, by the book of Esther, we Jews understand that the hero has to find that sense of God inside yourself. And then when you connect to that presence of the holy that's in each of you, then you're encouraged to face the reality 
and challenge the Amaleks of our day. And it doesn't mean that God's not present, but that Esther is getting us ready to realize that the Holy truly is in all of us, waiting for us in our time to be like her and have the courage to face the challenges and then manifest through our goodness that presence of blessing and hope that will stand up against an evil that can rear its head at any time. Esther, in some ways, is a response to the question of whether or not the hero makes the moment or the moment makes the hero. In her case, Mordechai says to her, perhaps you were put in this position to attain royalty for such a time like this. Does he mention God there? He doesn't. But the rabbis say that's where God is present in the story, that recognition. And when Esther realizes it's really up to her that everyone else around her has lost agency, she finds it, she finds the courage, she acts, she takes control. How does she deal with the king? She invites him to one party and gets him what? And he says, what's your wish? And she says, my one wish is if you come to the party again tomorrow, because why? He's not drunk enough. <laughs> she knows with whom she's dealing. And this young, formerly powerless girl becomes the redeemer of the Jewish people. She becomes such a great heroic example that the rabbis of the Talmud have her come to them from across time to make her case about whether or not her book should be canonized, whether or not it should be included in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew Bible. God's not mentioned your book, they say to her. And then they have her say back to them, God acted through me. And her demand prevails. And then they write that Esther, a woman, commanded the holiday. Isn't that fascinating? God acted through her. God acts through us. That's an essential lesson of Megillah Esther. Long, long ago in a town called Shushan, as Joe Black likes to see, sing, we see a transition in Judaism to the collective responsibility of the Jewish people to serve as a reminder to all that God's presence is in every human being when it stands up, or they stand up, against Amalek. I believe God's presence was in that heroic doctor in China who would not stay silent. I believe God's presence is expressed through Greta Thunberg. Boy, does she seem like Esther? And she stands up against powers of the world, corporate titans, uh, leaders who need to get a clue, and she brings change and helps us hear that we have to change. So may we be inspired by the presence we see in others. May we connect like Esther did to the eternal as we go forward and call out for transition and change and hope and speak out against hatred in any of its forms, certainly against anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism, but also against Islamophobia Think about the people in concentration camps in China right now and how much have we spoken up when it sounds exactly like what happened to us in Europe. Remember Esther and don't wait for miracles to bring about redemption, but let us work ourselves to bring about change. Maybe we 
with the gifts that we have, we're putting this time in this place for just an such an opportunity. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.